Welcome to Back of the Rotation. Uh, I, I keep wanting to say brand new baseball podcast, but it's not brand new. We, this is our 10th episode. I'm AJ. I'm Will. Um, no Greg today. Uh, Greg's a suffering Tigers fan. He's still in mourning. Um, so, you know, pray for Greg. Um, <laughs> no, Greg's okay. He's just busy today. Um, but before we get... cheesy no, just. Yeah, no cheesy dad jokes. You know, I I should have probably should have looked one. I should have looked up a cheesy dad joke, but but uh, so before we get into the show today, I want to uh, say a couple things. One, we will not have a show next week. I will be in Honduras um, on a mission trip with my church, so we will not have a show next week. And the week after, we may have a show. Um, will goes back to school. I'll probably be starting a new job, so we'll have to figure out the schedule. So we won't we. M- We'll still do the podcast, but the time when we do it might be changed a little. So just stay tuned to our social media pages, which brings me to my next point, which is follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BOTR pod. We are now on, uh, we are now on Spotify. So check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes at back of the rotation and make sure your friends know, let them know about us. The bigger we get, the, uh, the better content we can put out, the more content we can put out and the, and, yeah, so just so, uh, spread the word about us and help us to just grow. So we want to thank you guys for listening and sharing and retweeting. Uh, we really appreciate it. So last week we talked about the trade deadline, and it seemed like a pretty you know one of the things I said, and I think it was kind of echoed by uh, you and Greg. Will was kind of that it was almost it was shaping up to be a lackluster trade deadline almost. We, you know, Bumgarner was off the market. Um, there wasn't a lot of big deals. Like last year, it was Manny Machado. And then, are the Nationals going to trade Bryce Harper? Scherzer had gotten hurt this year. So, Scherzer, who was kind of a rumor, wasn't really, wasn't really talked about as being traded. So, we kind of thought that it was going to be a lackluster trade deadline. But, I honestly think it turned out to be a pretty wild one. There were some very surprising moves, um, and we'll get to a lot of those, but we want to go through the big ones. We're not going to go through every single one because there are a lot of ones. Like there's one, I'm just looking at the tracker on ESPN, and the uh, Cubs, uh, the Blue Jays sent David Phelps to the Cubs for Thomas Hatch, a pitching prospect. So That's the biggest trade of the day. Uh, yeah, uh, by far, <laughs> you know, Blue Jays are back in play, so watch out. Uh, but, you know, there's not a ton. There's a there's a lot of trades. Some of them are just like a couple prospects or cash considerations. So we're going to go through the big ones. The first big one is the Rangers sent right-handed reliever Chris Martin to the Braves for left-handed pitcher Colby Allard. Um, I think this is a much better deal for the Braves. This kind of this just shores up their bullpen, shores up uh their, their pitching. Cause they're going to need that. You know, the Nationals are kind of coming up. The Phillies are kind of coming up. And heck, even the Mets are coming up to the Braves. That division's getting tighter and tighter. And the Braves, Braves are going to need some help to advance in the playoffs if they make it, which they probably will. So I think this is a very good deal for the Braves. Sure's up uh, some much needed pitching help. Will, what do you uh, what do you think about this one? They've both been help all season. Um, you know, he's not like a flashy name. <laughs> which we'll get to the other flashy name they got later, but um, he's still he's still a quality arm that'll help out their bullpen. Too many great names. You know, when Kimbrel was still on the market and Kimbrel and Keiko got signed, it was kind of or before they got signed, people thought, oh well, what if Kimbrel goes to the Braves and you know, maybe he could help their bullpen? Kimbrel's not doing so hot in Chicago. I thought like I looked it up. I was talking to someone the other week and. I think I said, like, eh, Kemple's doing eh in Chicago. And then I looked it up, and he's got, like, a plus six ERA or, like, close to seven. So he's not doing eh. He's doing bad in Chicago. So maybe it's good the Braves didn't get him. Maybe he would have done better in Atlanta. Who knows? But the Braves definitely need some much-needed pitching help. Um, I think that uh, – we're going to talk about another deal that involves the Braves later. Let's just talk about that one, too, since we're on the topic of the Braves. Um, Stinks, Greg's not, Greg's not here to talk about this one. 
But I think the biggest Braves trade deal is the Braves traded Shane Green or traded to get Shane Green from uh, the Detroit Tigers. So Shane Green, one of the best closers in baseball, I think every, I think it might be every save, every save that the Tigers have, Shane Green has that save. So when you have that many saves on that bad of a team, and I know Greg's not here to defend them, but when you have that many saves on that bad of a team, that shows something. So I'm really interested to see how Shane Green does. I know he hasn't playing for Detroit. You know, he hasn't been put in a ton of high leverage situations. You know, Detroit's not on the verge of making the playoffs. He hasn't played, you know, what happens if he comes to a game seven in the playoffs or game five or whatever. You know, I'm very interested to see how he does. I think he's going to do great things with the Braves. I mean, with Chris Martin and Shane Green, that bullpen is that bullpen is looking pretty tough now. That the whole pitching is looking pretty tough. Yeah. I like the deal for the um the Braves. I thought it was a great move for them because they they haven't really had a lockdown closer this year. And um I mean he's got a 15 ERA in three appearances for them, but I wouldn't be too concerned. You know he's getting used to a new um new location, and I think his first couple of games were against the Twins, who as we all know have one of the best offenses in the league. So yeah. um. I think it was a good trade, and then they paired him with uh, Mark Melanson, who's having a um, sort of a rebound year after he went to the Giants and he just did nothing. So um, I think they made three pretty solid moves to shore up that bullpen so that when it – because, you know, the, the past couple of years, it's been all about the bullpen and the playoffs. And it was like with the Red Sox last year, everyone was like, yeah, the Red Sox have a terrible bullpen, so I don't know if they're going to win the World Series. And then everyone in the bullpen, Joe Kelly, you know, Nate Evaldi and Rick Porcello coming out of the bullpen, they were all amazing. So that's it's going to be huge for the Braves if these guys that they just traded for can um, keep pitching like they have been. Oh yeah, I mean, if the Braves want to, the Braves want to make any sort of push, I think they got the help they may have needed with Kike, adding Keuchel for free agency and definitely this bullpen. I was not. Ex- I was expecting Shane. I was, didn't think the Braves were on uh, the radar for Shane Green. You know, mm-hmm. kind of hoping that the uh, that team from Boston was going to sign them. Um, you know, yeah. I mean that that's a whole different. That's a whew, nothing, Dave. Well, anyway, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go on a Red Sox rant right now, even though they did. Have at least the Yankees did nothing. At least, yeah, at least the Yankees. Did you see that New York Post article? Or it was like a New York Post cover, and it was Cashman outside a Yankee stadium, and he was like a zombie with like a bullet hole in his head, and zombie no. Cashman does nothing. I'm like, oh, jeez. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think the Yankees have a much better excuse for not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, their pitching obviously needs help, but, you know, they're in the playoffs. Red Sox need, you know, Dave, Dave, what Dave Dombrowski, I know we're getting off track here, but what Dave Dombrowski said is, it, it's idiotic. You know, if we would have, I'm not, re, I'm not getting the exact quote, but he said, if we would have been doing better, then maybe we would have made moves at the trade deadline. If you would have made moves at the trade deadline, maybe you'd be doing better. So, uh, uh, it's just, I don't know about the Red Sox this year. That's why, like, I love the fact that they won the World Series last year and just dominated and just crushed everybody. But if we win one World, if they win one World Series, but then they start going down after that, that really doesn't seem worth it. I'd I'd rather build like like what the Dodgers and the Braves and even the Yankees have, it, the Astros too. What they have, I think, is a much more ideal situation. Deep farm systems. Very good, competing at the highest level every year. The Red Sox are just like next to no farm system, competing at the highest level for one year, and then six and a half games out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a rough season, considering yeah. we have the same, basically the same team we had last year. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get uh, off that sad and horrible, horrible topic. 
so next big trade was not I was not expecting this. I mean, the teams involved in this and everything that went on. So this trade involves the Indians, Reds, and Padres. So it's a three-team trade. Three-team trades are always interesting. I, I just wonder how they come into how they come into being, and it, it's just I think they're some of the more interesting trades. But this trade, like I said, involved the Indians, Reds, and Padres, and the Reds acquired Trevor Bauer. The Indians acquired Yasiel Puig, Franmil Reyes. And other players, this is a big deal. Um, and then the Reds also acquired prospect Taylor Trammell. So the Padres not getting um, like a they're not, they're not getting a big name. They're getting some prospects in the deal. And that's what the Padres are doing. The Padres are a young team. They're building for the future. Good for them. The Indians and the Reds are making more competing now moves. But what confuses I can understand the Reds giving up Puig, maybe. But I don't understand the Indians wanting to compete but giving up Bauer. I mean they have a wild card spot. I think they're a half a game ahead of the Rays for the first wild card spot, or maybe a game. They're kind of closing in on the Twins, and then they give up their best pitcher right now because Kluber's hurt. I mean you want to say maybe Bieber's better, okay, but. Uh, so, Will, what do you uh, what do you think about this trade? Yeah, that one for me for the Indians is kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, because like their their strength has been their starting pitching, and but their their best pitcher coming into the year has barely pitched at all on Kluber, and then Trevor Bowers arguably taken over that spot as their best most consistent pitcher, and so. I I was very like I there was rumors that they were going to trade him like a month ago and then they shot back up in the playoff race and now they're the number one wild card and they're still in play for the division. So trading one of their best players yeah. is kind of a shock in a team that's entering a wild card race and then they got back Puig who I mean yeah it helps them on offense but he's not the same player was like five years ago with the Dodgers. Oh yeah. Like he's, he's a decent bat, but like he's a nuisance in the clubhouse. Like I've, I've never really been a um, huge Puig guy, but it was kind of funny seeing that the, so the last thing Bauer did in an Indians uniform was chuck the ball over the fence in Kansas city. (laughs) And the last thing Puig did in the Reds uniform was fight for a team that he wasn't even technically on anymore because yeah, he was he had, like, already traded, traded during the game. Yeah, he had like gotten traded 25 minutes before that fight, which was hilarious. Yeah, was, I mean, I that gave me some respect for him. I'm not a huge plea guy, but that, that was pretty funny to see. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, Puig definitely gets attention because of his antics. I'm not going. I think he's a good player. He's a really good player, but I don't think I don't. I think if he didn't have that on the field and maybe off the field antics like he does, you know, where he licks the bat or earlier in the season where he tried to fight the entire Pirates team where he just randomly charged out the dugout. If he didn't have those things, I don't think Puig would get the attention that he does because I don't think that the numbers necessarily back up him being a superstar player. He's a very, he's a good, really good player, but I think. His antics definitely get him a lot of attention. But, yeah, I mean, just to echo what you said again, Will, with Trevor Bauer, I mean, I think the Reds are indicating that they want to compete this year. I think the Reds are saying, listen, hey, we still got a shot. The Central is open. There's still room in the wild card race. We want to compete. Let's get Bauer. But the Indians, Kluber's hurt. Clevenger, I mean, he's not pitching lights out. I, I don't understand why you would trade away Bauer. I, I, when he was, like, being talked about, I was I was confused. Because you're still in a race. You're, you're in the playoffs. It's the, play, it's the season end of the day, you're in the playoffs. I mean, here, let, let me pull up MLB. They are three and a half games behind the Twins for the division. You know, what if, what if Kluber – 
Now, let me bring up this. What if the Indians get a wild card game? They get a wild card spot. Kluber, I don't know when he's returned. If Let's say he gets a setback and he would have to return in the playoffs or whatever. Or he, would, he wouldn't be available before the playoffs. Who are you going to pitch in that wild card game now? Are you going to throw in a young Jane? Are you going to throw in Bieber? I think Bieber's great, but do you think – I mean, he's never been in that situation before. Do you trust Clevenger to essentially be your ace in that situation then? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's perplexing. The Reds barely had Yasiel Puig this year. I think that I think the Reds. Uh, I mean, Padres got prospects. Good for them. They're not really. They're just kind of. They were just kind of there. The Padres. They didn't get like anybody uh, big. I think the Reds definitely got the better end of this trade. I mean, the Indians acquired yeah. Puig and Framil Reyes, but I think Indians pitching is much more much more suspect and now a lot more so. Will, do you have any final thoughts? Um, and then we're going to move on to the next one. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the Reds beat out the um, the Indians in this trade. We'll see what happens with the Padres. Their, their insane farm system gets even yeah. better. But on the, uh, the Reds, I mean, I think it's a little too late this year. Like, you never know. They could get yeah. on a I mean, they're, all, they're, they're, four, they're four and a half games back of, of the wild card. Now, granted... They're four and a half games back, but they would have to leap over the Giants, Diamondbacks, Mets, Brewers, Cardinals, and then either the Phillies or Nationals to get in the wild card spot. And then they're six and a half games back of the wild card or of the division. So it's not it's not impossible, but yeah, I think they could be a scary team next year with the Castillo, Gray, and uh, Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Well, Bauer's contract ends at the end of this year, if I'm correct. Oh, I thought it was next year. Is it? Is it next year? Here, let, let me let me look that up because I uh, I remember or I saw something on Twitter that Trevor Bauer said after his contract is over, he wants to just sign one year deals so he can play for a team that's always competing. Which I don't know if that's a smart. Smart move for Sammy. The Sensei's arbitration eligible for um, this year, so they should still have him next year and then unrestricted free agent 2021. Okay, so they, they should have him next year, but... Okay, so that's not, not as bad as I thought, but that's something interesting, too, that um, maybe we can talk about contracts on another... Uh, on another episode of the podcast, but I mean, Trevor Bat signing a one-year deal for the rest of his career. Yeah. I don't know. I like the player. I well, mean, maybe I'm old school, but I like the player who sticks with a team, not necessarily forever, because I know like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, they didn't, and Roger Clemens, they didn't stick with the same team their whole career. But like, look at a Clayton Kershaw. Look at him. Look at. Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout. I don't know. I, But, yeah, look at Clayton Kershaw, Mike Trout. Look at these guys who signed these long-term contracts, stay with that team, and they're like legends. Mike Trout is going to go – Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw are going to be legends in L.A. You know, even Bumgarner to an extent. He's like – I remember going to San Francisco and uh, going to the Giants game, and they have like this – because Levi sponsors them. And they have this thing called the Giant Tizer, which it's supposed to make uh, whatever item you have, whether it be a jersey, hat, shirt, whatever, like lucky. So what it does is it you you kind of like clip it on this thing, and it goes through this little machine, and it it gets sprayed with water from a Covey Cove, and then it goes past the jerseys of Willie Mays. There was somebody else. There. It goes past the jerseys of Willie Mays and Madison Bumgarner. So to have Madison Bumgarner up there with Willie Mays, I mean, he's kind of like a legend in San Francisco. I don't know. If I was playing baseball, I'd want to sign long-term deals so I could, like, cement my legacy, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean, some guys, like, if Bartolo came back, he'd only sign a one-year deal. There are guys who, if they 
they can they can only sign one year deals, you know. But Trevor Bauer choosing to, if that's what he does, be be pretty interesting. Yeah. Can, can I have one final thought on the yeah, Bauer yeah. thing? Yeah. Did you see the day after he was traded, he showed up to the Indians game as a fan? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. He's just like <laughs> walking in there with his wife or whatever, and that was crazy. Like in regular civilian clothes, and it's just like, whoa. I mean, that's gonna he's, be that's gonna be shocking. Guy. He, he is a yeah. very, very unique guy. Well, he's got like his own podcast or something, which is which yeah, is I think it's him and Clevenger. Yeah, which I wonder how that's gonna. I mean, they're in the same state. I mean, like north and south, kind of mm-hmm. of the state. But I don't know. Maybe they'll work it out. Um, yeah. All right. So that is the whirlwind that is the Trevor Bauer trade. So let's get on to the next one. This one's not as big. As is, I honestly think there's only one more trade that's bigger than that, and I, you guys can probably guess if you paid attention to baseball at all, you can probably guess what that is. But we're gonna get to, we're gonna save that one for last. So let's get on to the next one. This involves the Rays and the Brewers, not huge, but still maybe of some significance. So the Rays acquired Jesus Aguilar, um, from the here ESPN typo said Rays acquire Jesus Aguilar from Rays. Uh, Rays acquired Jesus Aguilar from the Brewers for Jake Feria. Um, Aguilar last year, All Star. Obviously, uh, a power bat. The Rays hoping that they can kind of revive that he can kind of revive that, uh, revive that uh, power bat that he had last year, and then uh, Feria. A big unarm that the Brewers are getting. The Brewers obviously need pitching help. Uh, Farrier uh, has pitched 12 innings this season, uh, 12 hits, has a 2.25 ERA, 158 whip. He's only played in eight games. He's 26, so he's a young guy. Uh, but the Brewers, you know, Aguilar wasn't working out for him, so they look to get rid of him and maybe add some add some help to that bullpen. So. Will, do you have any thoughts on this trade? I know it's not huge. It's kind of like a one-for-one deal, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Aguilar was what? He was an all-star last year. He's in yeah. the home run derby. Yeah. So he, um, you know, he has the track record of having a solid season, and the Rays could use a power guy like him. So, um, you know, uh, and the the Brewers obviously need pitching. They need any pitching they can get. So uh, th- it's not a bad trade for either team. It's kind of like a for both sides. It's a low low risk like medium reward kind of trade. So um, I think it's it's a decent trade for both teams. Um, yeah. That could it, it's not it's probably not going to be anything major. But as they're both trying to make the playoffs, it could be a um, bit of a boost to help out their weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, I, I really like that point. It's a pretty low risk trade. You know, I think the Trevor Bauer one we just talked about is a pretty high risk trade. It's, it can be high reward, but it's high risk. This is low risk and eh, maybe medium reward. If, if Aguilar gets back to form like he was last year, then the Rays will definitely be uh, maybe even competing with the Yankees, but they will definitely be something to watch out for. But, yeah, this is a pretty medium trade, you know, both teams not giving up a ton, but getting something that they, they wouldn't, they need, you know, the Astros have a, or not the Astros, the uh, Rays have a pretty good pitching, good bullpen, they need some bats, Brewers have some good bats, need some bullpen and pitching, so they get, both teams get what they need, yeah, I think this is a, this is a pretty good trade for both teams, Um, so I'm going to run through there's a lot of smaller trades in here i'm gonna run through them uh just talk briefly on it will if you have anything to say just jump in interrupt me interject um interject um i'm just gonna run through there because there's a lot of small ones in here and i do want to get to them but i'm not gonna get to like the small small ones like when it's just prospect for prospect but just gonna run through some of the medium ones here and will if you have anything to say feel free to jump in so the Cubs traded Martin Maldonado to the Astros for Tony Kemp. Uh, Cubs uh, continue. 
to look to improve their starting lineup for their bench while Houston reunites with a catcher who finished last season as an Astro. So Martin Maldonado going back to the Astros. Uh, I think this is I think this is a pretty medium trade. Uh, Astros, I'm sure they're glad to get Martin Maldonado back, and the Cubs in that tight AL Central race, tight wild card race, looking to add some depth to their bench and to their starting lineup. So that's a pretty decent one for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nationals acquired Daniel Hudson from the Blue Jays. So the Nats are getting a veteran arm to the bullpen. Obviously the Nats, they are, they are coming up. They are, they, they, they are pushing on knocking on the Braves door a little bit, only like six games back or six and a half games back. Obviously they have a wild card spot or yeah, they have a wild card spot. So obviously the nationals need, they're looking for that extra push they can get to get right, get across that line. And then the, uh, the next trade involves the nationals as well. The nationals acquired Ronius Elias and Hunter Strickland from the Mariners. So, Getting some more relief health. The Mariners, you know, um, Jerry Depoto loves to make trades. So here are the the Mariners get rid of some guys they don't need. They are they are not in it by any stretch of the imagination, and the Nationals just need some help. So I think the Nationals had a pretty decent day, had a pretty decent trade yeah. deadline day. Definitely adding some bullpen help. So yeah, AJ, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but um. It's a good thing the Nationals still don't have Bryce Harper. Um, Hunter Strickland and uh, Harper got into it a couple of years ago. I do, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's funny. That that man. I mean, what was it? There was when Bumgarner was on the Bumgarner was kind of on the market. There was talk of maybe him going to the Reds. I don't know if it was very vague talk, but it was that was kind of like the rumors, and it was what it, it's going to be Bumgarner and Puig on the same team, you know. Mm-hmm. So that would be that would have been pretty funny, but yeah, I'm not. All right, so the next trade, the A's acquired Tanner Roark from the Reds, so the A's uh, get some quality depth as they're trying to make a wild card push. They're right there with uh, they're I think they're above the Red Sox right now. Uh, the A's are they're eight no yeah the A's are half a game back of the uh, Rays of in the, in the wild card spot. So the A's just trying to get some help. You know that that's what the trade deadline mostly is is just teams trying to get over that hump, get a little help to help just give them that extra push. Um, so the next two trades, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks made a prospect trade where they were just trading prospects. I won't get into that because if I said these prospects, I don't know any of them. Will, you probably don't know any of them. So it's not worth necessarily talking about it. But Marlins obviously looking for some prospect help. And the Diamondbacks, you know, if they don't make it this year, they might be going into a rebuilding mode, uh, especially with another trade they made, which we will talk about. So the Diamondbacks and the Marlins getting some prospects, shuffling some things around. So that should be good for those teams' future health. So the next trade, the Phillies added a veteran bat. Outfielder Corey Dickerson was traded to Philadelphia from Pittsburgh. Dickerson is hitting 300 with four homers and 25 RBIs this season. He hit a career-high 27 home runs last year for the Ra- – or not last year, but he hit a career-high 27 home runs for the Rays in 2017. So Phillies need an extra bat. Uh, it's a it's a veteran bat who maybe can help them in this long in this final stretch. You know the Phillies I think are a little bit underwhelming from what they expected to be this year. Obviously their pitching has suffered. Uh, their pitching is not what it needs to be, and they didn't do a ton. I mean they got Jason Vargas, but I don't think Jason Vargas is going to be the saving grace for the Phillies. Maybe I could be wrong. You know. Who um, knows? Next one, the Dodgers added to their offensive death. The Dodgers acquired infielder Jed Gorka in a trade with the Cardinals. 
Uh, Jed Gorka can play pretty much everywhere. I, I've added Jed Gorka in fantasy multiple years just because he's not like, he's not superb where he's going to hit for three, 310 and 40 home runs and a hundred or so RBIs, but he's going to, he can play every position at a very, at a very solid level. So the Dodgers, you know, last year they had injuries in the playoffs and I think adding Jed Gorka kind of, solidifies them and if they deal with any injuries you know they have injuries to chris taylor uh enrique hernandez and david freeze they deal with any more jed gorka he's a guy that can fill that spot so i think this is a pretty good deal um for the dodgers so the next deal this involves greg's tigers so the cubs landed nick Cassianos for prospects um so the cubs Landed Nick Castellanos in a deal with the Tigers, and the Tigers get prospects. Uh, like Gorka, Castellanos can play multiple spots. This is something the Cubs may need. You know, these guys that can play multiple spots. You know, if you look on like the Red Sox, you know, Chavis can play multiple spots. Uh, Pierce can play multiple spots. These guys that can play multiple spots are. They're going to be the guys that you need in the playoffs. One guy gets injured. Maybe he's out for a game or two, but you want a solid guy you can put in at second, not an empty guy. So I think having Castellanos on the Cubs will be a very good, uh, it's very good for them. And obviously, you know, the Tigers aren't going to compete for a while. So they knew the Castellanos, they needed to trade him. They wanted to rebuild it all. So yeah, I think that's a good deal for the, uh, for the Cubs. The next trade. This was this was surprising. I don't know, Will. I think I don't know if you were surprised at this, but the talk a few weeks out of the trade deadline was that the Giants were going to be sellers. They were going to sell Bumgarner. Maybe they were going to sell Smith. You know who who else were the Giants going to sell? They were going to be big sellers. Well, the Giants acquire Scooter Jeanette from the Reds, which to me signals they're competing. They want to compete. They didn't deal Bumgarner. They didn't deal Smith. They didn't deal any other huge big names and then they got Scooter Jeanette to me this signals that they're not rebuilding they're not going to rebuild next year they're gonna compete this year so I was very surprised at this you know Giants are kind of my National League team I think this is a surprising trade so Will what do you uh what do you think about this Will yeah I honestly was expecting them to uh make a trade like that because they got they got Scooter Jeanette and then they um I think yesterday they DFA'd Joe Panic, which yeah. Um, yeah. was kind of surprising. He, he's a defensive player, never really done much offensively. But I, I didn't expect them to DFA him, so I, I guess they're just making a spot for roster or whatever. So um, that was that was uh, very, very interesting because Jeanette went healthy. The past couple of years has been a very solid player. But, um, you know, the Giants had Yeah. If they're going to sell some of the best bullpen pieces, which, like, nowadays, like, it's your bullpen is what's going to carry you on a run through the playoffs. Why not just sell Bumgarner if you're like if you're not going to really be competing? Like what the Giants are doing is just very confusing to me. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think they had the intention to compete. Like when I say they didn't have the intention to compete, obviously the Giants could win. They want to win, but I don't think the Giants went into this season talking about or thinking, "Hey, you know, we're going to make a wild card run at the end of the season. We're going to make a we're going to make a push for the playoffs." So it's confusing, but yeah, I mean, I I hope, I hope the Giants do well. This is Bruce Bochy's last year. So maybe they're trying to, maybe they're going to send them out on a, on a high note. Mm -hmm. So the last trade of the trade deadline. And this was, I think, honestly, this was by, this was the biggest trade of the trade deadline. So the Astros get Zach, 
Greinke from the Arizona Diamondbacks. So now the Astros four man first four in the rotation are Verlander, Cole, Greinke, and Miley. By far the best bullpen in baseball. Will, I don't know if you want to agree with that or disagree with that, but I think this makes the Astros this honestly makes the Astros the best team in baseball in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So do you do you have any other any other thoughts on this trade? Or any other thoughts on uh, um, the trade deadline? I mean that the Astros got even richer. They added um Zach Grinky, who obviously a future Hall of Famer. He's even at age like 36, 37, whatever age he is. He's throwing like 88 until has like a sub three ERA. He's he's obviously going to be huge for them. They even added uh, Aaron Sanchez, who, despite having the worst qualified ERA with the Blue Jays, literally threw six hitless innings in his Astros debut which led to a combined no-hitter. So I would say right now the the Astros are the class of the American League. Dodgers are a class of the National League. So it's basically 2017 all over again. I mean, the Astros are just – they're going to be a scary team. I, lo- I look at the other teams that are going to compete, and I think the Yankees and the Twins. Astros have both of them by far beat on pitching. The only team that I can see making the playoffs right now that may have something to say about the Astros pitching are the Rays, maybe, because they have Morton, Snell, and Chirinos. But that's the only team that could even sniff the Astros in pitching. Everybody else, the Astros blow them away. And the Astros, just because they're good in pitching, doesn't mean they're lacking in the field or in batting. They're phenomenal in those fields as well. So the Astros are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Overall, I think this is a very surprising trade deadline. You know, I thought, I didn't think these were the, I didn't think this was the way it was going to go. Um, there were some surprise trades. I didn't expect Granke to the Astros. I didn't expect Bauer to the Reds or Puig to the Indians. There's some surprise trades. I think there were a lot of teams just solidifying that push. Obviously, I didn't expect Scooter Jeanette to the Giants. I was happy when that happened. But, you know, I think this was a pretty good uh, pretty good trade deadline. Mm-hmm. All right, so that uh, is that's our kind of news and our topic of the week. So now we're going to go to our series of the week. So my series of the week might be a little surprising to some. Um, As we get closer to September, as we get closer to October, playoff push is going on. Everybody knows that. We've talked about that a lot. You know, with the trade deadline, teams looking for that extra push. So my series of the week is the Washington Nationals versus the New York Mets. It starts on this Friday. It is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the reason I say that this is such a such a pivotal series is the Mets are only two and a half games behind the uh, Nationals. Uh, the Mets are one and a half games behind or out of the wild card. So let's say the Nats just have a bad series and the Mets sweep them, or even take two out of three. The Mets are either half a game in the wild card or in the wild card. So, and then if the Nationals lose, they're out of the wild card. Obviously, there's plenty of time to regain that. But this series, while it may not seem sexy with the Nationals and the Mets, I think the Mets are making a late season push. The Mets might be a little serious. The Mets are doing something good, which is not a Mets thing to do. And I think this is going to be a very interesting series. So, Will, what do you have for your series of the week? Uh, for my series of the week, I have an extremely important divisional matchup. Because, um, like, right now, I'd say really the only two divisions in the, um, in the entire MLB, really, that are I could see end up being a close, super close race are the American League Central and the National League Central. Yeah. So I got, <clears throat> starting tomorrow, the Indian 
Bears and Twins have a four game set. So, um, yeah, I I believe it's a four game set and the Twins are three and a half up on the Indians. So if the Indians get a four game sweep, they're back in first in the Central. So um, this this is a huge series. Uh, it's in Minnesota, so that will help out the Twins. But um, you know, it could be like the um, Red Sox Yankees series last year. If you remember that four game set in August, we yeah. were like three games up on them, four game sweep, buried them. They just got rid of them. So if the twin, you know, if the Twins swept the Indians, boom, the Indians are now seven and a half games out mid-August, you know, that's not looking great. But if the Indians could get a sweep or even take three, you know, they're back in the lead or they're only like a half game out. So um, this could be very, very important for both teams and should be a good series to watch. Oh, yeah, that that should be a good one. That's a tight division race. I mean, what are the, you know, like I said, the Indians three and a half games back. You know, if the Indians are to sweep them, then boom, they're, they have the division. So... Yeah, that should be a very interesting series. All right, so Will, what is your uh, match pitching matchup of the week? Well, um, you see, the uh, um, MLB.com app has like no pitching matchups. Oh like, yeah, there's, um, I've been looking through them, and like half of them is like they only have one or the right. other. So um, I had to do some scouring. Um, I'm for my matchup of the week. I'm going on Friday. It's the D-backs and the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray, and uh, Walker Bueller. Okay. Uh, Rob, yeah, Robbie Ray was kind of the sexy name with the D-backs. Everyone was saying he was probably going to get traded. Next thing you know, it was Zach Greinke. So um, <clears throat> he's he's there to stay with the uh, the Diamondbacks. He's hasn't been bad this year. He's got a uh, ten and seven record, four oh three ERA. It's got 178 strikeouts and 134 innings. So, um, you know, he's kind of going to be like a four or five kind of guy. He, he can, he can pitch a lot of innings and get you a ton of strikeouts. So, um, yeah, he's a solid pitcher. And then obviously Walker Bueller is still one of the, one of the youngest, brightest young arms in the game right now. He's only 25 and he's, He's lighting it up for the Dodgers, so you know he's going to be an ace for a while now. So that should be a good pitching matchup in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, that that should be a, that should be a very good one. Um, a lot of strikeouts. Lot 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 of strikeouts, which I love strikeouts. I love strikeouts. Yeah. Teams. I'm a big I'm a big I appreciate pitching more than I do hitting. Not that hitting's bad, but I love strikeouts. So that should be a good one. My matchup of the week, um, sticking with my series of the week, Mets versus Nats. Uh, like you said, Will, MLB app has like no pitching matchups in there. A lot of the guys, it's like no, they don't have anybody confirmed, or they only have one guy confirmed. So I had to, I went on this website, I think it's FantasyPros.com, and it had a, has like the projected pitching matchups for each day. So Marcus Stroman is confirmed to pitch this Friday, make his second second start for the Mets. His first start was pretty mediocre, 4.1 innings pitch, 7 hits, 3 runs. So pretty mediocre start. Not horrible, but a pretty mediocre start. But he is pitching against Steven Strasburg, projected by this fantasy website. Um, so it's supposed to be projected to be Stroman versus Strasburg. Stroman, his second start for the Nats. Um, like I said, this is going to be a pivotal series. So to see these two guys... Uh, to see these two guys pitch in the series, pitch in the opener of this series, I think is going to be really cool. I mean, we could see Scherzer pitch in this series. Um, Syndergaard is expected to pitch Saturday. Um, DeGrom is expected to pitch Sunday. So I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see Stroman and how he develops because, you know, Syndergaard, obviously he's not doing as superb as everybody thought he was going to do. He's got a 396 ERA, but, that rotation of Syndergaard, DeGrom, Stroman is a pretty good rotation. So I'm interested to see how Stroman does uh, with the Mets and against a formidable opponent, the Nationals and Steven Strasburg. So that should be a good matchup. Solid matchup. Yeah. So now it's time for this week's stat of the week. Uh, my stat of the week isn't anything current. I was just, uh, I got bored the other day. Really, I was procrastinating on homework. 
I wasn't bored. I had plenty of stuff to do. I was just procrastinating on homework. So something that flashed into my head was perfect games. I wonder what the most perfect, perfect game throne ever was. So what I mean by that is, you know, obviously a perfect game, no walks, no hits, no errors, 27 outs. Or maybe 24 outs, depending on home or away. So what is the most perfect, perfect game? So how, so who threw the least amount of balls, most strikes, most strikeouts, all this. And I looked at every perfect game thrown, and there were some ones that was very close where guys were throwing a lot of pitches and not a lot of strikeouts, getting a lot of grounders, fly balls. So I came down to three. I can't, I, I narrowed it down to three, um, three perfect games that I thought could be the most perfect, perfect games. Uh, of all time. So the first one was Sandy Koufax. Uh, the second one was Randy Johnson. And then the third one was Matt Cain of the Giants. Matt Cain obviously being the most recent one. Um, I thought that these were the most perfect, perfect games out of these three. Cain had 14 strikeouts in that game. Johnson had 13. And Koufax had 14. So these were the most perfect, perfect games. So I looked at them. I looked at how many balls, how many strikes were thrown. Um, so what I came down to, and this was very close between Koufax, Kane, and Johnson. But I came down. This is down. This and you might have a disagreement with me, um, but I believe the most perfect game ever thrown was by Sandy Koufax. He threw 14 strikeouts. 34 balls the entire game, and then 75 strikes. Now this isn't this isn't including balls that were uh, uh, that were hit, but obviously they were struck or not balls that were hit balls that had contact on them. So I just wanted to look at the most perfect game of baseball ever thrown, and I believe that belongs to Mr. Sandy Koufax. And it was really, it was really cool to just go through this and see all these perfect games. And then at the end, um, a lot of the a lot of the perfect games. There were I think there was a perfect game in like the 1890s, and there were some in the 1920s. And I couldn't I couldn't really include them because they only had strikeouts. What I looked at for like Koufax and obviously Johnson and Kane was balls and strikes. How many balls did they throw? How many strikes did they throw? They didn't really they didn't count that when I had the scorecard or. I didn't have it, but I could find the scorecard from games in the 1920s, but I couldn't find a scorecard with balls and strikes. So I think it was really cool to go through this. And then at the end, I listened to Vince Scully call Sandy Koufax's perfect game, which was amazing. Um, Koufax already had a no-hitter. And so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So that's my stat of the week, Sandy Koufax's perfect game. We haven't had a perfect game since 2012. King Felix, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the art of the um, perfect game, and even at this point, solo no hitter are slowly going away. Like oh the, yeah, the only the only couple no hitters this year, minus Mike Fires, have been um, combined. combined no hitters, which yeah. is kind of sad to see. Because like a combined no hitter, like yeah, it's cool, but it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's good, but it's it's not as it's not as cool as a guy going nine full innings. I think mm. that's just because managers are taking it easier with guys' arms. You know, they're not as being as risky per se. They're you know putting a cap on their pitches. So yeah, and the balls are juiced too. So <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. All right, Will, what's your stat of the week? All right. Um, my um, my stat of the week is um, it's kind of multiple stats, but um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be comparing the uh, National League MVP race uh, to show you just how close it is. If I'm being honest, right now I can't really pick who I would vote for. So um, we're we're gonna compare Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. Uh, so right now Yelly's hitting 336, whereas Belly's hitting 322. Um, 
Yeah, Yelich has a 4.28 OBP and 7.05 slugging. Bellinger's got 4.22 and 6.68. Uh, looking at the more advanced stats, Yelich has got a 180 weighted runs created plus. Bellinger's got a 176, and uh, Yelich has a 6.4 WAR, whereas Bellinger is a 6.3. So, um, oh yeah, I forgot home runs. Uh, Bellinger has got 37. Yelich has 39. So right now, the if you're not watching the National League MVP race, you should be. There, these guys are hitting home runs every single night. You know they're Yellinger. Uh, <laughs> Yellinger, Yelich went what four for five with two home runs the other night. I think Bellinger hit another dinger last night. So these are these are two of the best players in the league right now, going head to head for the MVP. And it should be exciting to watch them duke it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the biggest debate, I think, at the end of the year. You know, Dodgers, mm-hmm. if, if Bellinger wins, Brewers fans are going to say, um, Yelich got, uh, got cheated. If Yelich wins, Brewers or Dodgers fans are going to say that Bellinger got cheated. And it, it's going to be a very interesting thing to see towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, those two. So, all right. Well, that is, that will end this week's episode of back of the rotation thank you guys for tuning in remember next week we will not have an episode um in the week after we're not really sure so stay tuned to social media i'll put updates on there on what we're doing with that uh you can follow us on twitter and instagram at b-o-t-r pod that's twitter and instagram at b-o-t-r pod and check us out on soundcloud itunes and spotify at back of the rotation Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and thank you, Will, for coming on. Thanks, AJ. All right. Uh, we will see you guys hopefully in a couple weeks. 